Hi everyone and welcome to Two Words with Taku and it's a podcast all about writing recorded in sunny Melbourne and I'm sitting with Dana Reed, who's a director of amazing worthinessnessness. Um, <laughs> hi Dana, thank you for having us. It's a pleasure Taku. Um, so pretty much we met you through um, a directing workshop that you did and I'll actually throw out and say hello to Kylie on camera who's directing this um, at the moment. Uh, but you held this masterclass around directing and so we wanted to come and find out a bit more about all your wisdom around taking words that people have written and then putting them on camera. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll just start off with uh, maybe tell us a little bit about your work and what you've done and the kinds of shows you've worked on. Um, well, I began as a, in front of the camera as an actor. Uh, so I guess that's an interesting way of looking at scripts. You're looking at scripts in a, from a performance uh, place as opposed to directing it. So I think that informed the way I look at scripts now. Uh, so and I started... Uh, doing attachments on shows like Blue Healers and Stingers in the 90s. Um, and then I did a short film for Tropfest in 1999 that got into the Tropfest uh, finals. So, and that kind of gave me that little, you go, oh, well, this is the right thing to do. Uh, and so I swapped over and then I started directing on Blue Healers. But uh, yeah, as far as how I look at it, how I look at a script, you know, taking it from writing to realisation, very much from a performance background, yeah, and, 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 and that perspective. Okay. So just to step back a bit, um, the most recent show of yours that I watched is Sunshine, and we had a bit of a discussion around that at the workshop. And, um, you know, for the listeners out there and, and people watching, Sunshine is set in Sunshine in Melbourne, and it's based around the South Sudanese community and these basketball uh, basketball players who you know want to do more than just be seen as you know gangs and 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 things like that. But it's been such a such a controversial and relevant and um, amazing show. Like how how did you come to be the director on that? And yeah, tell Look, us I mean, how that works. It's that interesting thing that uh, that scripts were in you know first draft stages when I came on board uh, and I'm not look again I don't know why they picked me because I got offered the job um, so I don't know what that process was and mm-hmm. I yeah, don't ask really so okay. great got the job fantastic um, but I then had to they the writers and the creators and the producers had been working with the South Sudanese community before that in the creation of uh, that work and I had a director's attachment, um, Ez Deng, and he had been involved from the inception uh, and then he then became, supposedly, as I said this to you guys in the workshop, so he's supposed to be my attachment, but it was very, um, it was a two-way street. I was learning about the South Sudanese community and the South Sudanese situation because mm. I really didn't know much about the conflict yeah. so um you, know, you get what you see on the news on the sbs mm. news but you, you don't know exactly the ins and outs of the conflict uh so yeah we we'll talk about that kind of stuff um so yeah so from there that's when i started to you know kind of 
understand where the script had come from, what that process had been before I came on board, and then talking about visualizing it through Ez, always talking, you know, like, oh, I'm, I'm going to do this and this and this. Um, and we would talk about uh, how the young people from the South Sydney's community uh, interacted. Mm-hmm. And how, you know, that's the thing, you know, all this is about ignorance. And I put myself in that place and be really open about it because you, you only know what you know and mm-hmm. you don't know what you don't know. And therefore, don't take a step without knowing. Yeah. So find out. Yeah. So it's pretty much what I did with him the whole time. Mm-hmm. Is going okay. So what's what's this reaction going to be? What's this like? What you know? The hilarious thing is everything's the same, basically, and you go you find that humanity, that common humanity, all the time. But then there's you know, just custom and the way things are done, and you just want mm-hmm. to make sure that's all um, above board uh, and accurate and insightful and um, it comes from an enlightened place Mm -hmm. so in terms of directing sunshine and other tv dramas or films that you've done how was that different or what was yeah was there anything that was different in how you shot or directed that particular story that's what was so great about us because basically we were working with non-actors like our main characters um uh, and had never acted before so that for me because I'm really performance based mm. and have that background I found that just fantastic I mean it's hard yeah. it's labor intensive and you're working line by line but it's the area that I love the most mm-hmm. so I found that very rewarding um I mean it's it's fantastic I'm, yeah working with really experienced um, actors who you know, I think we spoke about Sarah Snook who I worked with on The Secret River mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah she's so and I always say this um, that there are actors who are touched by God and she's one of them yeah they're just yeah. <laughs> kind of born like that I don't know and they do you've done your work you've done a bit of rehearsal you know where you're coming from and they do a take and it's perfect and you, you could change it or you could push it a different way but if it's perfect it's perfect and yeah <laughs> But uh, and that's great. Uh, that's a great process too. But I think with um, on sunshine being able to really get into that script and get into you know it's a bit like teaching acting as well. Mm. Um, I found that really rewarding. I remember you saying something about even the way that the script was written. You knew that then working with non-actors, some of it couldn't be said or delivered a certain way. So you change maybe the, yeah, the language so- of of it based on that correct so we he just knew that there was too much mental trickery going on in a line Mm -hmm. and you think that's all very well if someone's gone to NIDA and they know how to break down that and and do that but what we worked out that was working is emotional truth there was it's like call and response action reaction ask the question answer it yeah uh and if there was the single beat, it, you could just see the um, the performers just hook onto it because they emotionally understood the world because mm-hmm. you know, that was the whole point is making sure that you know, when we were talking to the actors, you go, is this real? Is this true? Is mm-hmm. this what life is what like happened? for you? Yeah. Um, and I know that um, Ez's mum 
Anna played uh, Jacob's mum, Mari, and she'd get confused. It would upset her at times, and um, that because it was real life that she oh, was playing. It's too, yeah, it was confronting for her. Oh, okay. Um, and as would explain that to me, and because yeah, you, you, you get so caught up in getting the day done, and as would go, mum's just it's just confusing mum real life. Mm-hmm. And that was really intriguing. Um, and you just want to make sure that, I mean, this happens for all actors across the board. You want to make sure that they're taken care of in that emotional way. Um, but it definitely worked best when everyone just hooked on to what reality was like, mm-hmm. what the, you know, because we tend to do that when they're having a conversation. We go bang, bang, yeah. bang, bang, you know, and it gets your brain going, and that's what would work. But if we've got too clever... Yeah, all those little monologues and people off on it, yeah. Yeah, the artifice of Mm. performance, Mm. um, then we go, no, we can't do that. And we take it out. So from a directing point of view, when you watch drama, what makes makes good drama? Apart from just the writing, I guess from a visual point of view, what what are the things that you think really make drama work? Is it... I don't know. It's always a good script. I know script. It's, such a, it's such a broad question, but yeah, yeah are there things it's, that it's, you... It's always a good script. Mm-hmm. I mean, it always comes down to that. And then that the visual style t- adds to that script and tells the truth and it portrays an emotional response that is connected to that script. Mm-hmm. Um, because we want... It's a visual medium. Mm-hmm. We want to see beauty. This is slightly off topic but I remember when I used to do comedy I wanted it to look good and a few old school folk who shall remain nameless <laughs> said it doesn't matter as long as the joke works you can put up a flat and put a light on it doesn't matter if it looks terrible as long as it's funny and I go no mm-hmm. the world has changed it has to look right it has to look beautiful you have to create the world of the joke correctly and people will go with it and it looks more authentic. So yeah. I believe it, yeah, it has to have a, an aesthetic but that is linked to the essence of the script. So who chooses that aesthetic? Is it the writer or is it the director or both? Because oh. I, I think that's something that I'm sort of interested in right now is when I'm writing the, screen, the scripts, those shots or those transition things that I can see in my head and I can, I'm sort of setting that style as I'm writing the story but then... If I'm to work with a director, how does that work? Or, you know, who sets the final... Well, I mean, if you write it a certain way... Look, I'm always... I ignore we see cut to. Oh, okay. I just go, shut up. It's my job. <laughs> okay. But I, I listen to what the writer is writing. So mm-hmm. it is that, you know, she walks down the, you know, the tree line with, you know, golden leaves or, you know, that sort of stuff. You start to... I think we spoke about this... You run the movie in your head as mm-hmm. you read it. You, know, you start, to start to see it. And if the writer has written it in such a way that evokes those images, you'll shoot them. Yeah. No, but, yeah, cut to. And what's a smash cut? Is that like on the final cut? Um, I've, uh, it's hilarious. Like I've, I've never been, heard How long have I been doing this? Have you heard of a smash this? cut? I go, smash cut two. What the hell are you talking about? What is a oh. smash cut? And then I go to the editor. So what's a smash cut? And they go, I don't know. Oh. But it's all over script. You'll have a look at it. Smash cut to. I'm going to look it up. Smash cut. 
Is that like at the beginning of the Breakfast Club when the screen actually smashes and we go through that to the... Oh, actually, no, maybe. I don't think it is. I'm being facetious. But then... <laughs> Smash cut too. Smash cut. So would you prefer to just get a naked script as in it's just dialogue or just... No, no, like, no, no. no, no. I mean, look, I know I said this in the... Um, it's in the action. It's in mm. the description of the place. Mm-hmm. It's, in, you know, it's in all those sort of things. Um but and I know I said to you guys, I said, you know, ignore the big print, which comes from my acting background, because often the writers, and yes, it helps, it always helps, but, you know, it says angrily, you know, next to <laughs> the, you know, the stage directors and Constance says angrily, you know, or whatever. You know. Yeah. And they can be quite prescriptive, prescriptive. Yeah, about it. And I kind of try and find the emotional journey that's inherent in the script without that. Mm-hmm. stuff um, but yeah some, as I say sometimes it can really help but yeah generally I kind of get the gist from the big print but let the subtext of it inform what I kind of do performance wise and visually so when you get a script for comedy mm. Do you normally read them and you find them funny or they're, they're funny in how they're written? Or because, you know, it's comedy, you start to think about how you could make them funny. No, I don't look, know if it's, that's... it's inherently funny. That's yeah. the, you, you, and I'll argue and I'll go, that doesn't work. That's not funny. Yeah. yeah. And people have all these different tastes. So very much the producer and everyone has to be in the same headspace. Mm-hmm. But I don't try and make it... Yeah, like a couple of times on the weekend... People are looking to be much broader than they needed to be. It can be subtle and quiet. It doesn't need to be zany and kooky. Mm-hmm. It can be nothing. It can be st- like the great one of my there's a wonderful sketch um, in a show called Eagle and Evans, which were two um, lovely comics, and it was uh, Dalen was being you know news doing a journalist news cross thing. And it was just him smiling at camera waiting for them to cut and they wouldn't cut. And they, and they go, have we cut yet? Not yet. And he keeps... And so it was just him keeping the smile up yeah, and pushing it to the... And it was... You know, I, I remember laughing so much the back of my head hurt. Yeah. But there's no... It's just the reality of the situation. Yeah. Push that a little bit further. You, it's just there if you find it. Yeah. And doesn't comedy then rely more on the actors and the performers oh, very to, much to so. do that? Yeah. Because I think um, just even looking at some of the shows you've worked with, I, I personally like Asha Keddie. So when I first moved to Australia, I didn't really watch that much Australian comedy because I was like, oh, I don't get some of it. But um, I remember watching Offspring and, and just really thinking she was funny. Like she, mm. there's something about her where she... Like, you get it. And, it's just and the way her brain works. Because it is that thing, she'll just do that, you know, yeah. when those voiceovers happen and she just does a little... And it's it's very... It's subtle. It's not huge. Mm-hmm. It's just the... It is a really interesting thing. I've done um, comedy workshops, you know, acting... Um, comedy acting workshops. And I've often started with saying, I can't teach you this. Mm-hmm. And saying, but if you're obviously here because you have something oh so you're actually running the workshop to teach people yeah how to perform comedy well it is that thing they will have come because they there's something in them and they're interested and then we can practice rhythm and we can practice timing and Mm -hmm. we can 
go stop start yeah because it's it's so in the timing of of things before you do something yeah. of if you go too slow mm-hmm. if you go too fast you know, it's it's so rhythmic so it's about people who have already kind of feeling it mm-hmm. seeing if they can enhance their rhythm and have a practice because i know when i was performing comedy the more i did it the better i got at it yeah because yeah. i could feel it yeah like exercise it's like stand-up so i've done some stand-up before mm-hmm. and when i haven't done it for a while yeah you feel a bit like yeah and it's interesting you using the word rhythm and comedy together i've never thought of them or put them together in the same it's space but that actually makes sense yeah it's so it does rhythmic. Make sense. yeah yeah and so then um, in terms of the differences between um, directing drama and comedy, like in the workshop you talked about something as simple as moving the camera when you're filming comedy stuff and, and bringing awareness to yourself you know, via the camera. I, I found that really interesting because you were saying you know, when we watch comedy, we almost want to just observe it and not be necessarily part of it. Yeah. So what could you expand a bit more on that or what you you found yeah i mean this is just what i found and other people will do comedy differently but mm. yeah the, the extreme close-up unless you're you know taking the piss out of a extreme close-up kind of show is too emotionally confronting mm-hmm. so i always found that i was at mcu level in comedy and i didn't move the camera around too much unless it was part of the visual language and the joke mm-hmm. uh, i let things play and i didn't draw attention to myself as going look at me, the director making these visual mm, style choices, cutting it like really, yeah. you know. Unless you are parodying something like that, mm-hmm. and then you can use the visual style for more jokes. Yeah, yeah, it's you can you know you can have fun with that stuff, but yeah, it gets it's just, it depends on the world of the sketch, but mostly you stand back and let let it play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. Mm. Just keep it simple. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, because yeah. like you said, again, it should be the performance or the, the almost the, you want to give people room to think for themselves or to find yeah. a joke themselves and not yeah. necessarily be But if, if we would find if, if we did, you know, I, I did a sketch show called Skit House. And, Skit House. And, but if it was, you know, like a war movie or something like that, which, you know, it looks like a war movie. It's all it long lensy and... You know, we do all that. We create the visual style of the world. We did things, um, you know, first fleet landing things. So you you shoot it like a, you know, uh, a mini series from the nineteen eighties about that stuff. You know, like mm-hmm. we, you can inform the joke, uh, the jokes with the visual style, mm-hmm. but you have to. But it has to. Be, it's still about the piece, not about you. Yeah. 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 Um, so now moving on to more, I guess, the creative process around you know, taking scripts to, to screen. You talked about how you write your notes with tracing paper. And I just, in that, in that workshop, I was, I just had a real geek moment because I love paper stationery and my background's architecture. So that whole thing of layering and making things, you know, um, you can still see and you can change things around. Yeah. So what's that like? How does that help you be more organized with your thoughts on, on set or in your life? You know, if you could talk about that. It came from, amendments and so first of all I would read the script and write down next to the script what the shots were and then the amendments would come out and I'd go oh I'll just take everything out and write that down again off the pink onto the yellow or mm-hmm. yeah and so I went how can I once the shots are done because really 
the amendments come out, there's lines omitted, there's little bits, but, but the essence of what the scene is usually remains the same, unless it's gone. Yeah, the scene's omitted completely. So I mean, I would always reread it and go, does that affect my shots? Usually it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I just put them on tracing paper so I could... Well, if I put on a thick piece of paper, I couldn't see what the scene was underneath, and so that I was confused. Whereas if I put it on tracing paper, I can see the shots and I could see the scene underneath what it was. And you've got no time out there, so you really you need to look at it and go, "All right, okay, that's what I did." And it reminds you more than anything. Um, and sometimes I would then put the um, floor plan of the set underneath it. But often I'd trace, I'd do that, and then trace the floor plan of the set and my blocking onto the tracing paper and get rid of the floor plan mm-hmm. because it, again it blocked the scene. So that's what I did, yeah. and it's quite it's yeah, efficient. Yeah, I, I totally got it. I haven't tried it yet, but I, I really, really appreciate it. It's very that. nerdy. Um, and so I was telling somebody about it. Uh, they've come from a theatre background, and they were saying something like, oh, theatre people hate how directors do the blocking thing because, oh, no, it was a dance person. They were like, oh, you know, we were dancing with this theatre you know, performance, and they're saying how they feel as if then the blocking is prescriptive in, in the sense that the actor can't then bring out their own performance. Or yeah, what look, do you, yeah, I, what I mean, do you I'm think? pretty loose... You know, I, I have a plan for blocking, so I have a plan because mm-hmm. you don't know how the actors are going to work because some actors will want to be moved around and some actors will want to move themselves around and you just have to gauge it really of going, how about, I always go, what about if you start over here and you start over there and then maybe you can finish over here oh, and they can yeah. get there any way they like. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then I'll watch that and I'll go and then I'll adjust it if it gets... Yeah, you can work if it gets too shoddy. You know, I need to get, you know, I now need 10 camera moves to cover all those close-ups at that point. And go, well, how about if you just go from there to there? Mm-hmm. And you, yeah, So it just, it's, I evolve it, but again, I'm ex-dancer too. So okay, it becomes yeah. that, you know, that choreographic idea anyway. So, yeah, I always have a, I always have a plan, but I'm, I'm happy enough to chuck the plan out and do something else. So how do you balance work-life balance with then, yeah, having to be, you know, the overseer on set and then just normal life outside of that? How, do you have tracing paper for all your groceries and things like that? Or like, what? Everything else is really loose <laughs> and very disorganised. Oh, is it? Really? Oh, I think so, yeah. I mean, not, not the kids' lives and stuff, but, um, yeah, there's no, yeah, there's no... Yeah, that's very free form. Yeah. <laughs> you just can't control everything. I go mental. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't socialise much outside of family. So it's really, you know, it's work and then home. And that's pretty much it. Yeah. But yeah, I went out for England when I was young. So it's not like I mm. need to. <laughs> and does your work feel social though? You'd, yes. Well, I mean, yeah, you must you're have right, some... Yeah. Yeah, it is like being at a party all day mm-hmm. with the amount of talking you do, not you know, anything else, but just mm-hmm. the talking and the interacting and that energy is um, that's quite yeah that that can take it out of you. Mm-hmm. And you know, Tim, my husband, would often go say to me, "Goes you never talk about work when you get home. You don't tell me what happens. Like I don't want to talk yeah. anymore. Brain And I, yeah, it's like oh, I just can you talk about what you did? That would be better. Yeah. Um, and so I do now make a concerted effort to talk about how the day went with everybody because I tend to yeah, not say anything when I get 
yeah. which that doesn't work either. Are your kids fascinated by what you do? I mean, because I mean, we we're just talking to them before, and they're saying, "Oh, you know, watching the show that you've worked on previously," or and are they starting to get more curious about what you do? Or have they always been what? Oh, yeah. look, I think it's kind of always been there for them. Like a really interesting thing happened. It actually wasn't my production. It was I was shooting a movie around the corner, and I knew some of the crew, and I'd just finished a job, and they were little, so they were both in the pram because they're quite close in age. And I walked around and seen them they're on break and said hello. And then we came back and they were doing a shot really close to us. I just pulled up and waited. And the kids waited. I didn't say anything, I just watched it. And then they called cut and they turned and said, what were they doing, Mum? And oh, they wow. were little. Wow, okay. Yeah. So you kind of go, was that just coincidence yeah. or do they actually know what that means? So, I, I, look, I don't know if they're interested. Um, Austin will make sure make films with her friends all the time just mm-hmm. you know but that could be all kids because the technology you know it could just be storytelling yeah. um so they've always been around it but yeah you know, i guess i won't know until later when they what they decide to do yeah and they, and they tell you they love it or they don't or they're doing their own yeah stuff here. i mean i always they started watching long form movies early because you know i value that i don't see that as being a bad thing mm. yeah I, I kind of don't get them playing games on the ipad yeah but i un- understand watching a story and understanding a story from beginning to end mm-hmm. yeah i think that's quite educational to be able to process that and good for a, a young brain so now going back to the overall media landscape in australia and the big topic diversity and and you know getting more you know diverse stories on screen what are your thoughts around that and what you think it looks like currently where you'd like to see it, especially now that you've worked on Sunshine and, and other projects where they are not your usual kind of stories that you'd see on mainstream TV. I mean, ideally, it just becomes a normal thing. Mm. That's what, you know, and it is about not casting, a, what I would like to do is not cast a South Sudanese person because they're South Sudanese. Just yeah. cast a role, mm-hmm. any old role. Yeah, that's, that's, what you, that's where we want to end up. Um, you know, when we did Wrong Girl, it was such a great opportunity to cast Rob Collins as the yeah. romantic lead. He's so cute. Oh, he's I mean, fabulous. I mean, and yeah, from um, what was it the other show, Clever Man? Clever Man. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. It, it is that thing of there's nothing about his background mm-hmm. and being Indigenous that informs that role. Yeah. He just is. What he, and look, like I say, John Edwards was doing it with Deb Marmon. Yeah. You know, it and all that stuff you just want to be able to so it just becomes normal mm. and every day um, and it is what the whole thing is you know we don't have a lot of people in the country so ratings are a big deal mm-hmm. and so I think that's when people don't when things don't rate everyone freaks out and but because the diverse communities are smaller Everyone, that's why that prohibits people freak out about ratings and we just have to keep pushing through so everything becomes normal yeah. to your eye yeah you just don't notice it yeah so it's all about casting and going for it and you know the americans are really i gotta say leading the way in that you know i did an american show here and that was the main thing oh is it yeah they, the, the casting was all that and extras you know that because extras are really important people mm-hmm. don't think they are but they are you know the background to a painting. Yeah, you know, that's it's really important, and they inform 
the world and you know so I mean I obviously live in the western suburbs and I live uh, on the Werribee line mm-hmm. train I'm a train catcher and I would always laugh because coming from the ABC which is the Sandringham line mm-hmm. and then you come in through Flinders Street and it's so white on the Sandringham <laughs> line and then you get to Flinders Street and it becomes the Werribee line mm-hmm. and all the different cultures get on yeah. and I, I would just go look at that yeah um and so you know i set the wrong girl in yarraville so and i put on a train so i can put yeah yeah and it was a big brief all the extras must be you know all the cultures i you see every day i want them all in shot so don't bring me just so you can make that call as director yeah is it sometimes you have to go speak to the producers about that or it's a it's a i include the producers about this is what i'm going to do um and of course i was setting up wrong girl so i could do that stuff Mm -hmm. Um, uh, and same with you know, Sunshine is setting the whole thing up you know it's doing something like you know, early on Miss Fishers and you know, where the producer is really the showrunner that's kind of set up yeah. um, so but yeah it depends on which show you're doing what you can do but the, I, I did that you know that's what we were kind of set out to do with um those shows is to make sure and look like I said I, I learned from watching the Americans do it mm-hmm. on the show that they uh, did here and you've done it enough times now I think people would trust you with it oh, I know it sounds like such a silly thing but I mean well, it's also you know. people just it is that thing people don't think hmm. it, it is just the way this is what everything's about you know this whole the me too movement and everything that's happening now is just because we get used to a way of thinking and doing things and we keep perpetuating the same pattern yeah. and it needs to be disrupted and then that becomes a normal pattern yeah yeah so we, we kind of are obliged to keep disrupting it's an evolution yeah as yeah life gets a bit boring so what are you working on now what what's next on your plate oh, look, um, i know there's romper stomper which i've seen the trailer but I haven't watched it yet but again that was just like wow very interesting yeah yeah it's, it's there we go oh, i've got to make this scene between two nazis work okay right. so, uh, just, yeah oh. um but yeah but wonderful actors and yeah a very interesting experience in light the climate that we're in now mm-hmm. um and then I'm, I'm going to canada on friday but i'm not going to talk about what i'm doing because i can't jinx it i'm so okay, yeah, i'm no. so superstitious oh no yeah. that comes from the years in the theater yeah no no i can believe that <laughs> even african way we never say when we tra- when we're about to travel they say you shouldn't tell people when you're about to travel in case somebody jinxes you as well so you kind of just magically appear in a new country you didn't tell anybody I'm, I'm right behind that yeah i know that yeah. eventually i'm going to have to tell my parents that i'm going overseas but yeah yeah, yeah no, it's just it very superstitious okay and do you have any words of wisdom then for new emerging directors within the australian media landscape world people like us kylie and beautiful kylie who's doing an amazing job um i guess it's the thing about directors come from so many different backgrounds um and everyone is different Mm. i mean i know we spoke earlier saying there is there is an inherent there's something similar about us in how we see the world, but everybody is really, really different. So get as many skills as you can because you can come, you really can come from anywhere and, and find your place as a, as a director. There's no one path. 
toward it. So, you know, I've got uh, colleagues who were script supervisors, I've got colleagues who were editors, I was an actor. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, you learn, learn by doing lots of different things on the set. Are, but are directors just inherently bossy or what is it? What is the thing about being a director if you had to look at all the ones that you know or yourself? Know, what is it? Is it? And maybe bossy is the wrong word, but as in, we just, is it that you, you know how to put stuff together? Yeah, I think it was all the skills, of all the things that I've done in my life all came together to make that work, mm-hmm. to make that the perfect, to go, this is the right choice. Um which was, you know, again, that thing of dancer. So lots of choreography. I'd choreographed musicals yeah. when I was young. And so you get that, you know, how to move the actors in the space, the performers in the space. Mm-hmm. Then as an actor, I analysed text because, you know, and work on the script. So all those different things. Kind and of you've written some stuff as well. Yeah. So yeah. you had quite a bit of, oh my gosh, your IMDb page is like, I printed it as four or five pages long. But it's stupid. It's like, it still wow. says actor at the beginning. Can't you change it? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm really, technologically, I don't uh, know how to do that. Okay. I don't have, I should have IMDb Pro and I don't. No, no, you should. It, it, it's really, it's impressive. <laughs> so, um, oh, now I've forgotten what I was asking you. Oh, we'll just, yeah, yeah my the cv but it, it, was, oh, yeah. Yeah, it was just yeah you, it, my it just practice everything i think and you'll find your way where you want you know the way your way in so where do people find you online or are you on social media if people want to follow you or you just want to i need to be on more so you know i'm on facebook wait who says you need to be oh well, you know it, it's i should be Maybe. on instagram i think that's more the thing now because facebook seems to be going out of fashion i don't know but it's really time consuming i've got other stuff to do yeah no but it's kind of cool that you're mysterious as well though because i tried to find them it's like oh there's nothing it's kind of that is kind of cool i'm there on facebook but you know yeah okay okay, i've got other stuff on yeah she's she's um okay well honestly thank you so much for coming onto the podcast and even doing this interview it's great for us to learn as well how to do these things you know directing we spent how many we felt like hours just trying to work out where we were going to sit and all of that but it's actually what you were teaching us so this in itself is a lesson and yeah we really appreciate you um and for everyone else if you're listening or watching you can find two words with taku on itunes and on android and i am at taku speaks on instagram and twitter and the website is taku.com.au thanks for listening and have a great day thanks dana thanks Taku. and thank you kylie thanks kylie